Welcome to leadership is a personal choice. We named it that way because it is. Leadership is about taking ownership, about being responsible for yourself to ensure that whatever happens to you or whatever happens around you is positive and good for everybody. I hope you enjoy these podcasts and do let us know, rate them, send us your suggestions and send us your comments. Happy listening. Oh teacher, stop teaching. I am going to talk about my favorite peeve which is our education system. I want to remind you the truth is not difficult to see it is difficult to swallow. Our present methods of teaching which are inflicted on by far the vast majority of children in the world over are the single biggest cause for killing imagination that every child is born with and making them into square blocks which fit our own frightened constrained and slavish world view those who comply we pass and those who challenge it and refuse to succumb we fail the occasional among those we fail go on to great fortune the vast majority disappear never to be heard from again destroyed by the education system they didn't deserve or ask for i recall this uh, lovely story of this young boy called tommy uh, it's one of the stories that does the uh, rounds on the internet and the story is that um, tommy was asked the cl- class was ra- asked to write an essay and uh, about their dreams Next day all the children brought their essays to the class the teacher read them all but when she came to Tommy's essay she was astounded and even angry she wrote a big zero at the top of the essay and handed the book back to Tommy naturally poor Tommy's face fell and uh, when he looked at the teacher's notation he took the book back and silently walked back to his seat The teacher saw the look on the little boy's face and took pity on him. She called him back and she said, "Tommy, look. Your dream is ridiculous. It's fantasy. It's totally unrealistic. And that's why I failed you in the test. However, I will give you another chance. If you rewrite this dream and bring it back tomorrow, I will give you some marks." Tommy listened in silence, nodded agreement and returned to his seat. The eyes and smirks of all those who had passed were on his face. They were the ones with the realistic dreams which the teacher liked. Next day Tommy handed in his essay to the teacher the, stu- the teacher scanned through it and was astonished to see that there was no change she called Tommy to her desk in an injured tone and said Tommy didn't you understand what i told you i said i would give you marks if you changed your dream you have not done that you've done nothing here so i'm sorry i can't give you any marks Tommy looked at her seriously and said teacher i thought about what you said and decided that i let you keep your marks and i will keep my dream that's a beautiful story which is probably happening as we speak with many tommies uh in our schools the only exception is that most of them will not say what tommy said instead they will give up their dreams It seems it seems strange to me that if I were asked to define the biggest challenge of the teacher I would say it is to teach children how to deal with a world that we know nothing about. In such a world imagination is the key resource that they will need. 
Without imagination, they would be floundering trying to find answers in history or facts that they had been taught. But they would never find those answers because they simply aren't there. Yet the thing that most schools do with amazing efficiency is to kill the child's imagination as quickly as possible. And sadly, they are very successful in doing so. Take for example how science is taught. It is taught in a way that is no different from history, for example. It's taught as a fact course, whereas science is not about fact at all, but about constant discovery. Science is about constantly discovering how little we know. Science is not about answers, but about learning to ask the right questions, learning to analyze data with a willingness to be proved wrong, learning to design experiments to disprove our most dearly loved models, knowing that only if the experiment failed could we say that our model is actually correct. Not, however, not forever, but until we come to the next discovery. Teaching is not about answering questions, but about raising questions, opening doors for them in places that they could not imagine. Teaching is about teaching them the tools of learning, which will enable them to pursue learning all their lives, not answer questions, end all discussion, and pass exams. That's the reason why the vast majority of children never open a science book once they finish with school. That is the reason why there is a serious global shortage of scientists. The whole approach to teaching must change, from teaching solutions and answers to teaching tools to pursue lifelong learning. Even when we teach what we know, the, uh, even when we teach what we know, the answers, we need to teach them how we arrived at those answers and then ask them, if you faced this issue, what questions would you ask to find an answer? We need to focus far more on derivation, problem solving, methodology and analytical skills than on actually arriving at some formula or solution. The same malaise plagues other subjects as well. In history, we concentrate on dates and places far more than on lessons learned and ways of applying them in today's society. When was the last time you heard a history teacher ask questions like, what did we learn from the history of the Mughals, the reflection of which we can see in today's society? What can we learn from that period of Indian history which we can apply to our lives today? What can we learn from that period which will help us to find solutions to our problems today? Which problem? What is the solution? Instead, history question papers will ask you for the date on which the first battle of Panipat was fought. Who was fighting whom? Not why. Not what that indicated about society and its implications in today's society. So children hate history. We don't relate what we teach to what is happening currently and how learning what happened then can help people in today's world. I'm giving you a... Uh, there's a, a link about... Um, educational math. Uh, just read that. Children hate math, algebra even more. But when we, when did we ever hear of a teacher teaching math as a problem-solving tool or of teaching algebra as a tool to plan a party? Math enhances ability in to reason. Uh, it enhances intelligence, decision-making, and abstract analysis, but we only teach dry numbers. Math enables budgeting, judging, and assessment of business enterprises. It is the basis behind computer programming, music, art, graphic design, aeronautics, and a million other highly interesting things. But the way we teach math 
the majority of students hate it never use it to any advantage and trash 12 years of learning it as soon as they complete their final exam so why should you study math at all see the answers of some students to this question uh, which their professor asked them another very interesting article we turned up on google on math is here here on this on this link now our education system stinks it's designed to create mechanics not learned people that's how one can become an engineer without reading any book other than his course books and without any understanding of anything except that he except the little machine that he works on as if the rest of the universe doesn't matter all the treasure of human thought ideas discoveries experiments reflections and imagination are close to him he doesn't even know that they exist he lives a life of stress doing his best with his very limited understanding of life trying to reinvent the wheel to discover solutions which others far more gifted and learned than he could ever be have already discovered and written about but how then would he know about them when he doesn't even read that is why we have idiotic product design because the designer has no concept of relating his design to the actual user he is thinking in terms of his narrow area of knowledge not of the vast area of application that is why halim makers in india use washing machines as kitchen mixers saves them a lot of labor stirring the pot when they can have the pot stir itself as the washing machine designer what he was thinking of when he designed the machine except dirty clothes but great opportunity does not lie in customer demand it lies in areas that the customer didn't even know he needed the biggest problem with teachers is that they teach that is the root cause of all the ignorance that is why i titled this essay o oh, teacher stop teaching start discovering learning enjoying start appreciating that the child is the best thing that happened to you and every single day try to become the best thing that happens to him or her teachers must never teach they must be like ushers in a vast museum walking quietly with their students tiptoeing behind them opening one door after another letting them take a peek and then handing them the key to the door so that they can come back at their own time and explore in detail the teacher then takes them to another door for another peek and another key see imagine how exciting that is for the child the teacher's job is to give them the keys teaching is about asking questions and teaching them to ask questions the teacher who gives answers has failed so never do that teaching is about keeping the excitement of learning alive all life long teaching is about taking the hand of a 4 year old and leading the whole group to a tree then sit down under the tree and tell them let me see who can get me a perfect leaf of this tree actually do this and see the fun when they are all back when they all come back brimming with joy at their perfect finds ask them if all the leaves are the same even though they came from the same tree let them marvel at the fact that they all leaves from the same tree but each is different ask them what do you think why do you think this happens what is allah saying to us then pull out a seed of the tree you are sitting under from your pocket no it didn't grow there you prepared for the class remember then show them the seed and let them all every one of them hold the seed in his hand and explore its texture shape color and so on give them crayons and paper and tell and let them draw the seed give them a few more so that everyone has his own seed when they have drawn the seed tell them now look at this tree do you realize that this tree was inside this seed can you draw the tree inside your seed 
Let them do that. Every drawing must be made much of and draw breaths of amazement from you. And indeed, if you have ever taught in this way, you will realize that being amazed is the default setting. It's the only, it's only when we kill the imagination of children that they become like us. Then tell them about genetics. Yes, to four-year-olds and explain how the tree was inside the seed until Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala ordered it to come out. Explain the whole process of germination and growth. Draw lessons from each step and show them the glory of Allah. Of course, that will make your own role as a teacher much harder, but also much more fun. To be on top of the game, you have to read and prepare at the rate of four is to one, four hours of preparation to one hour of teaching. The kids will come back with answers to the questions you planted in their minds. You will need patience and tact and wisdom to deal with some of them, but you will have the joy of learning, of having doors open for you where you didn't know that there were doors. Teaching is about learning. I learned some of the best lessons in my life from someone who was knee-high to a jackrabbit. As a dear friend of mine, also a teacher, put it, what a teacher must inculcate is a sense of responsibility, self-discipline, and a sense of the sacred. These are not easy to teach in a world that speaks and teaches rights at the cost of responsibility, obedience and self-indulgence instead of self-discipline and debunking cynicism in the place of respect for the sacred. These are values that were important, are important and will be important in any age. Thank you, Gurvin. Teaching is not a job. Anyone who considers it a job must do one of two things. Rethink their vocation or become a cigarette salesman. That is a job. Selling cigarettes to people to hasten their demise. Teaching must be a passion. A teacher is someone who simply can't imagine doing anything else. A teacher is someone who will teach not only for free but also if they had to pay for it. Only then can you light the lamp of love of learning in the hearts of others. Teaching is to light the lamp of knowledge and dispel the darkness of ignorance. Do you, Mr. Teacher, consider what you are doing in these terms? I often ask people to think of a, of a role model and then ask for how many of them it is, a parent or a teacher. I have never had more than 10% of the population across nationalities, races, genders, raising their hands. That means that 90% of people, their role model is neither a parent or a teacher. What a tragedy seeing that these two roles have the maximum face time with children, yet they seem to do their roles in such an uninspiring and dull way if not in a positive, harmful way, that most children are glad to be away from them as much as possible. I ask teachers to consider this. Every morning, a strange thing happens at the gate of your school. Parents come and hand over their most precious assets to you without asking for any guarantees for anything. For you to do with them as you please for the next six to eight hours. Are you conscious of this responsibility in quite this way? And do you plan for those six to eight hours to become the best? best six to eight hours of that child for that day? Do you actively plan this? What would you say if the teacher who you send your child to plan to make those hours the best hours of your child's life? Do you believe this is worth doing? If not, what are you doing here? Why are you a teacher? When a child asks a question, Mr. Great Crocodile, what does this mean? You say, you tell me. And then let him go away and search. You watch what he is doing. Give him a hint or two, but never make it easy for him. If it looks like he is getting too close to an easy answer, bowl a googly. Ask a question which will lead him to dig deeper. 
Then when he comes to you with his answer, listen very carefully and be prepared to be astonished. Don't put any limits or boundaries on what he can or can't say, what he can or can't question. Then listen very carefully and take notes. That will do wonders for his confidence as well as for your own learning. And another thing, abolish exams or at least have only open book exams. Exams are the worst evil that ever happened to learning. They are the final nail in the coffin which ensures that the child hates learning forever. Just ask yourself how testing the memory of the child for random recall is a, in a specific time frame is a measure of his knowledge. Has this happened to you that a child couldn't think of an answer though it was on the tip of his mind until he had handed in his paper and the exam bell had rung and then five minutes after the bell rang the answer dropped off the tip of his mind into his consciousness. Does that child know or not know? But does that child pass or fail your exam? If that happens to be a final qualifying exam, then does it shut the doors on his dreams or not? Now, you know why some poor kids commit suicide. Exams as we conduct them are evil, as simple as that. Tests as we do, as we do them are perceived as threats. They are threats. The human brain responds to the threats in the most primitive way by shutting down everything except reflexes. When a threat is perceived, the reptilian part of the brain takes over and the neocortex shuts down. That is why in martial arts, we learn to force ourselves to continue to think while allowing the training to take over reactions. The thinking gives us the strategic edge in a conflict. Pilots are also taught to go back to the manual in case there is an emergency. That means not to allow the reptilian reflex to take over and to do all the checks that the manual prescribes because only that has a chance to save the situation. Yet in exams, we first shut down the brains of our students and then we force them to perform in an atmosphere of high threat perception and pass or fail them for a life in which there is mostly no threat. At least not when they are reading history, for example, for God's sake. Exams are a sign of our own laziness. We test random memory because that is the easiest thing to test. Not because that makes sense or is a real indicator of learning, understanding and application of knowledge. Reducing it to multiple choice questions where the child simply ticks a box is the ultimate insult to learning. That is done because the tabulation of marks can thereby be done by a machine and teachers are not burdened with even reading answers. How much worse can this get? And that's why I said the truth is not difficult to see. It is difficult to swallow. Do test. We must test because we need to measure the results of our effort. Test understanding. Test application of knowledge. Test value addition to what we taught them. Reward new questions that arose from what we taught them. Don't insult your teaching and destroy the lives of students by testing them in ways that are insane and toxic. Ban exams as we know them. Find other ways of testing and treat this like the life-threatening emergency that it is. May you be one of the one may you be the one to illuminate the world by igniting minds first of all your own remember that it a child is the final test is your final test of your success as a teacher if that child fails the child has not failed you have failed thank you for listening something more next week